1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Logan Schwartz. He has dedicated his life to helping individuals achieve a state of optimal health and vitality through a principle-based approach. He's positioned himself to learn from and work alongside some of the best coaches, personal trainers, physical therapists, and athletic trainers in the world in the field of prevention, performance, and health. He was recently the assistant basketball strength coach for the University of Texas at Austin, and also is a consultant for Train for the Game Incorporated, which is one of the elite performance facilities in the nation. Uh, Currently, Logan owns Austin Vitality Coach and is the director of programming for Your Trainer Incorporated in Austin. Welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: This is a great case of, hey, never go hurts to talk to somebody because I was at Paleo FX earlier this year and Logan just was like, hey, L," <laughs> And I was like, yeah, hey, he's like, hey, I, I to your podcast. What's going on? We start to get talking and I find out about what he does and what he's into and just loved his vibe and was like, dude, just come on the show. So here you are. <laughs>
0: well, I, that it was amazing because I really... Uh, I, I'm honored to be on the show because I listen, I followed uh, Mark for a long time, and and I I really enjoyed when you took over the podcast because you you have such a inclusive approach um, that I think is very rare in today's uh, in today's world. So uh, I'm honored to be here.
1: Oh well, we're we're so glad to have you because we're going to talk in different ways than we have before about movement and we're going to get into that. And that seems on the surface to some people like, Oh God, another boring strength movement conversation. But this is important because it's really a part of anti-aging and living the best long life. We, we can, how did you even get into this line of work? Cause it's pretty niche. It's pretty specific. And other than, you know, just going to college and being like, all right, I'll do physical therapy and move in that direction. Um, what started your journey into this, you know, health coaching arena?
0: Well, it started when I was, I was really young. I was into sports, um, but I was also into martial arts. I, uh, did martial arts from an early age and I, I was the kid that couldn't sit still in class. And my parents would tell the teacher that if he got too uh, rambunctious, just send him outside, have him run a lap and come back in and he can sit down. And so I kind of gravitated towards.
1: <laughs> that's that's kind of so you're in boot camp I mean, constantly. That was, then Great. that was me.
0: And so I I kind of gravitated towards uh, movement from the beginning. And so I went to college at the University of Texas. Um, you know, I wasn't a very good student, but once I got into the kinesiology department, it, everything just made sense. So movement made sense. Um, health made sense. Tell
1: the audience what kinesiology is, the philosophy of it. Well,
0: what's, what's interesting is kinesiology is actually the study of human motion of human movement. Um, but you learn when you go through school, that you learn a lot about the Krebs cycle. You learn a lot about carbohydrate metabolism. You learn a lot about, um, the stuff that's not actually associated with movement. So that sent me on a journey um, into the world of performance training where I met a guy by the name of Todd Wright who was the strength and conditioning coach at University of Texas for basketball and he's gone on now he's currently the Philadelphia 76ers strength coach um but he was my mentor and he kind of um you know he he got me into the world of helping athletes move better in order to perform better um and my journey's just kind of gone on from there I've gotten into health and um, you know, nutrition and sleep and sunlight and all of this stuff. But it, it just comes back to movement when I uh when I actually sum it up. It, it's that's how we that's how we live. That's how we experience life is through a body. And that body has to move.
1: And we were talking, you know, before the show too, just how uh let's, you know, for example, and I don't know his exact training program, although I'm sure we could find out. And again, some of this is just natural coordination and abilities that one is inherently born with. But you know, you look at someone like Michael Jordan and I just don't think anyone out there now I am from downtown Chicago. So of course I'm going to bring up Michael Jordan, but, but the thing is that I don't think anyone could deny in this world, the graceful ballet, like fluid level of which he moved and no doubt contributed to his astounding athletic performance. And you and I were talking about how, like, listen, Everyone's going to the treadmill, doing a little boot camp workout, but you know what sometimes you might get more benefit from cleaning the house in the yard because it's more natural, right so let's get into that idea, this concept
0: this is This is interesting because in our culture, we really praise the movement specialists. so the guys that you see on TV are the football players, the basketball players, um, you know the endurance athletes, and that is a very specialized form of movement now. I I love the ancestral approach that we have. And if we look at the human animal, the human animal is the only animal that's in every nook and cranny on this planet. And what we are is we're basically movement generalists. So literally, we're not the fastest animal and we can't climb the best, but I'm faster than a monkey and I can climb better than a cheetah. I can do it all. I'm a jack of all trades and I'm a master of none. So what happens is, We had this concept where if I'm not good at basketball or if I'm not good at uh, endurance athletics or if I'm not good at my spin class or yoga, I must not be an athlete or I must not be a mover when in actuality, us as humans, we're movement generalists. We're able to do everything. So whenever we start to specialize, whenever we get into like running too much or playing football too much or playing soccer too much or lifting too much weight, we get into this aspect of overtraining. Which overtraining, as as one of my other mentors, Ido Portal, says, is overtraining and in injury. That is the that is a result of specialization. The more general you are in your movement practice, the less the more resilient you are to injury because you're never taxing the same tissues and the same systems all every every day, all day. So that that's kind of the idea that I like to get across is this movement generalist approach. I, I'm also fascinated, El, by By older individuals, like really vital 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds, and I've never met one of those people that have said, you know what? I found the perfect training program, and I've done that for 40 years. It's they're They're always like, Oh, I got into yoga for about 10 years. And then I got into strength training for a couple of years. And then I played tennis. And now I play racquetball and then I do some running. And then every once in a while I go to a spin class. They're very general in their movement practice.
1: I know for myself, cause I've got some injuries. I have tendonitis in both my hands and arms and have for many years and it's okay. I, you know, I, I work around it, but, um, when I'm Doing stagnant, like I get, you know, if I have a couple weeks where I'm lazy and I just kind of do stagnant stuff and maybe I'm sitting a lot because I'm busy and uh, wow, it catches up quick. For someone even that works out all the time and is very healthy, when I get stagnant in my movement, flare-ups start to happen, things start to get tinkered off and, you know, I get like, oh, what's going on there in my na-? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I've been staring down at that phone in the wrong position there for too long, for a couple days on end because I was busy. So these things really affect even people that are regularly fluidly athletic and out there like me and doing more damage to people that aren't moving, that whole switching it up, trick your body thing. Yeah. I get, I get that for like the muscle thing, but I think what you're talking about is more important because the overtraining can be just overtraining certain, or or how about not overtraining, but not getting to some of the stuff, right? Because that's why when you do a yoga class and you haven't done one for a long time, you can't move for two days and you're in pain, right? Because you're like, oh, damn. And so that kind of needs to happen more, not to the point of maybe necessarily that soreness, but to where the movement is varied enough that you're hitting it all. And it doesn't have to be weight, right? It doesn't have to be due to a squat jump, right?
0: Exactly. And, And this is an interesting point. Is because and and you've had Katie Bowman on that has talked about this, is in our our movement practice as a culture now is we spend maybe thirty minutes to an hour a day of super high intensity movement. And then we're basically sedentary the rest of the day. And what what you're basically I've been
1: guilty of that, by the way, even myself. You know, there's moments where I think everybody is guilty of that, but most of us are really doing that. We're just going to the gym and then it's nothing.
0: Well, And I like to use the same analogy that that Katie uses is if you equate it to diet, what movement is, is movement is your overall diet and exercise is your supplements. So if you just take vitamin C all the time or vitamin E or you take creatine or you take any other supplement and that's all you take on a crappy diet, you're not going to be healthy. So what you have to have is you have to have a foundation of daily all day movement a movement practice that lasts all day. And then you throw in a couple of bouts of strategic exercise to attain the fitness benefits that you want. So one of the things I tell people, like like the stand-up desk phenomenon is great in this and, and walking and all of that. One of my movement strategies is I tell people, anytime you're on a phone call, you're in a deep squat. Heels on the ground, relaxing in a deep squat. Anytime you're on social media, which for some people that's hours a day, you're in a deep squat. Put a pull-up bar next to your office like I have right out here. Anytime you walk by it, you got to jump up on there and hang for 30 seconds. So what you're doing is you're accumulating these little tiny bouts of load, force on your body, these certain positions that accumulate over the course of time. There is no day off for movement. Movement is a requirement for the human being. Exercise is optional. Movement is mandatory.
1: I love the – idea of micro commitments that way too. You know, you're standing at the dishes, right? Okay. You do a couple squats, you, you know, um, sometimes I will put on some music and, you know, kind of organize, right. Clean out a drawer or whatever, but in the process I might kind of, you know, do a little yoga move here and there or something, but I'm just, I'm just kind of moving and walking around my place and like, just not being stagnant, you know, and these are all little micro commitments. I love the bar because I, it's like, every time you pass it, Hey, every time you pass, go collect 200. <laughs>
0: exactly. yeah. in, in another, another uh, point that I try to get across with people I work with or athletes I work with is have a movement goal. So a lot, I, you know, many females that I work with, they want to be able to do a pull up, right. Or they want to be able to do uh, five pushups, ups. And so you, you basically have that as your movement goal. So you have a goal. Every single day, you are going to be doing stuff to attain that goal. Now, it might be holding a plank for a push-up. It might be hanging for a pull-up. But you're actually working towards a goal. You're not necessarily strength training. You're not necessarily uh, cardiovascularly training. You're actually trying to attain a, a higher movement level. So that's another aspect. So you can have these 30-day challenges or these um, month-long challenges where you're, you have a certain fitness goal. Maybe it's a handstand. Maybe you want to hold a freestanding handstand. So every day, you're going to either work on a wrist routine or a, a stability routine or a wall-assisted handstand to work up to doing a freestanding handstand. And what that's going to allow you to do is you're using movement to attain fitness, not the other way around, because I've met a ton. I, I, I tell you, I've met a ton of athletes that are incredibly fit. And there was the, at the university, I had 19 year olds that looked like Greek statues like these guys. I literally told them, if I look, if I had your body, I would just wear my underwear around all day. That's all I would want because they look like they were cut out of a rock. And these people were fit. But I tell you, they were tired all the time. Some of them were on stiff, probably huh? kind of stiff. Some of them were on medications. Some of them, they they didn't want to walk to class. Like literally they were so tired. They couldn't physically walk to class like that was exhausting for them. But when you put them on the court for a couple hours a day, they were unbelievable athletes. So they were the fit, really, really fit individuals that weren't healthy. But I've never seen somebody that moves really well and a healthy individual that's not fit. I've seen it the other way around, but I haven't seen people that move well that don't have really good fitness.
1: What are some other tips and things at home if if there's people out there that are sedentary and maybe, you know, walking in the mailbox is really all they can do. You know, what else can they do inside of their place, you know, short of trying to lift their own body weight or do a squat even, which might be too much. You know, what are some other ways people can start to think about just start moving and getting fluid and getting circulation going? You know, if you're in a state where, you know, you're in bad shape.
0: The, the first thing is a, is a paradigm shift in your head. So the paradigm shift is society is designed to rob you of your movement because it costs energy. So everything is energy saving. So we have, we have chairs, so we don't have to go all the way to the ground to sit. We have, if you ever are walking in an airport and you see an elevator and a staircase, watch how many people take the elevator versus the staircase. or or the escalator versus the staircase. So you have to have this idea in your head that I have to, I have to outthink society in order to attain my movement. So one of my rules, I have rules. Like if I'm staying in a hotel and I'm in the sixth floor or below, I never touch the elevator. I'm always going to take the stairs. If I'm sixth floor or or below, if I'm six floors or above, I will, that's going to take a long time to get up there. I will, I will allow myself to take the elevator i've never taken an escalator i'm always taking the stairs if if somewhere if my grocery store or my mailbox if something is less than two miles away from me i'm walking there so you have to set up these rules in your life I, another great thing is i am not going to sit on my couch in fact get rid of your couch it's where you have to sit on the ground when you sit on the ground inevitably the ground is less comfortable So you move more, you shift your weight side to side. Another idea is setting timers. You know, you've heard the timers about, you know, you only sit down every 20 minutes you get up. I find that hard. I I find that the best thing to do is set up these habits in my life. So the first thing I do when I get up is I get outside and I walk around. Get an animal where you have to walk it. You have to walk your dog. Um, It's kind of reconfiguring your environment. Another thing is, after dinner you're you can set a ritual that every single time after i eat i get up and i have to take a 10 to 15 minute walk um, we know that that helps with postprandial uh, blood glucose and insulin um, but it also allows you to attain more movement in your day here, here, here's another thing for
1: me. yeah and if it's winter and it's 20 below zero you can again like do an you know vacuum right like go do just get stuff done around the house, stand and watch television show and just kind of walk around and pace or, you know, have a phone call and stroll, you know, but I I knew a person who, you know, clocked 1.4 miles just pacing on a phone
0: call. It's like, yeah, if if you, here's the thing too, with walking is if you commit to about a 30 minute walk a day, like if that's all if you want to get going, the, the easiest thing to get going is walking. Because I think I think to walk is to be human. That's basically when when I saw my kids walk for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I got a human here. <laughs> it wasn't just something that I had to, you know, feed and all that. It was actually a human. And then it was good
1: that you got that confirmation. You needed that. You were not exactly. sure it might have been a cyborg. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> At first I was kind of iffy
0: about it, but now I was like, well, this is, this is an actual human. And then if somebody has a debilitating injury, they will, they will pay money to anybody. They will pray to all the gods just to walk again. Because I, I believe deep down in our subconscious to walk is to be human. Hippocrates says walking is man's best medicine. So what I tell people, the first thing I start with is you commit to 30 minutes a day, you walk. Now, Here's here's what's amazing. If you did that every day, remember there's no off days in movement. So if you did that for 30 days and you walked at a pretty leisurely pace, about three miles an hour, okay? Which is actually really it's a really very
1: slow. Very slow. Pretty
0: slow. You will have accumulated two marathons worth of walking in that month. That's how much it adds up. So that that's that's what people don't understand is little. 30 minute bouts of movement throughout your day. If you do it consistently, add up massive amount. Like I I did a challenge where for 30 minutes a day, I was in a deep squat. Okay. Now that wasn't 30 minutes at one time. That might've been one minute at one time, five minutes throughout the day. I did it for 30 days. So I accumulated after that month for 15 hours, I was in a deep squat.
1: Oh, you People. cracking lobster with the thighs there after that oh, okay. days?
0: Like what kind? The, what kind of level of strength was that? The, the thing that was amazing is I would take athletes, okay, and this an athlete would be like, okay, I can squat four hundred pounds, right? But they can't sit in a deep squat for more than thirty seconds, and so it's like what squatting four hundred pounds? That's a fitness that's you know two and a half times your body weight or whatever. That's a fitness adaptation, but what good is it? If you can't get into a position that humans are supposed to actually defecate in, that humans are actually, that's how we used to rest. That used to be our chair. And so I'm not impressed by a two and a half uh, body weight squat. I am more impressed if you can go down to a deep squat and sit there for 10 minutes in a relaxed position, because that's going to help digestion. That's going to help your uh, pelvic floor. That that used to be how females had a baby, used to have a baby in a deep squat. And it was – your body is designed that that position is a restful position. That's how my kids played until they got into kindergarten and the teacher told them to sit in their desk and be quiet. And, and th- th- that's the kind of thing with movement that I'm trying to get my people, my clients, my athletes back to is this idea that if you can't walk, if you can't squat, if you can't hang – I mean we're, we're actually an arborist primate. That's why we have an opposable thumb. We're designed to hang from trees and, and things like that. If you can't hang – and you can't support your body weight, then what good is it that you can go do an hour spin class? What good is it that you can go, um, you know, bench press 50-pound dumbbells? Um, that That's kind of my, it's, it's kind of this fundamental, this below the surface of exercise and fitness.
1: Well, and it's the classic tale of the marathon runner type back in the day who didn't do anything else but that. And they all had hamstring and issues and all sorts. Of, they're all tight and couldn't touch their toes, you know what I mean? But, they, but, but they're thin and they're running, you know? So, uh, but those people end up being becoming the most injured runners out there. And again, so just, uh, and not advocating running at all, but just saying, you know, listen, if you're into one thing, um, it would behoove you to switch it up. And if you don't do it with a sport or athleticism, you do it at home or otherwise with movement.
0: Well, that, and, and honestly, uh, you know, Brad and your take on uh, the low below the math heart rate uh, cardiovascular exercise is awesome because you can do more of it. You can do it every day. You're not burning yourself out. So with movement, it's it's it, movement is below the threshold to where you're going to start burning carbohydrate and you're going to start getting into this anaerobic effort. What we tend to do in our fitness culture is we either go anaerobic and then the rest of the day we're just not moving. And I'm trying to shift people more into this idea of just moving all day. There is no – the time that you spend for exercise is your dedicated movement time. You're actually dedicating time to get better at movement. But the rest of your day, movement is just intertwined into it. I I, I, I can't physically sit in a chair for more than 20 minutes. Like the worst thing for me is to be on an airplane because I'm trapped. So I'm like, –
1: Oh, uh, me too. I'm always standing yeah. and like w- hanging out in the
0: back. <laughs> <laughs> that is, when when sitting for me is a physical stress and standing for me is actually relaxation. So when you sit all the time, sitting becomes your new norm and standing it, it here. Here's another fascinating thing. I, I went to a uh, bodybuilding competition a long time ago. I didn't compete, but I was just watching the bodybuilders and these guys, if you watch them backstage They can't stand up like they literally had to lean against the wall because they can't support their own structure because some of them are carrying way too much mass in their actual structure. So they physically can't stand up like they go on stage. They're there on stage for a while. When they get off, they're exhausted because they had to support all their body weight. So I'm thinking our culture views those people as some of the fittest people on the planet. But how dysfunctional is that if you can't even stand up? So it, it changed my idea of how how we the positions that we're in habitually in our day affect how we move more than our exercise affects how we move. So the way you rest affects how you move more than how you move affects how you move. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm just thinking about Mark Sisson's home office where he's got a stand up desk, but then underneath it there's like a <laughs> it's like a mat of rocks.
0: Exactly. Right. I'm standing, I'm standing on one right now. Oh. What are those called? It's a rock mat.
1: It's just okay. Rock mat. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty uh, cool. Sometimes they'll have bare feet. Sometimes they'll have his vibrance on. It just depends on, you know, where he's catching his day there. But sometimes, you know, go in there and I'll be like, oh, that's right. Damn. He's got a bunch of rocks. He's
0: standing on. It's awesome. It's super awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's what I feel like we're missing in, um, you know, technology and the modern world is great because humans are, are – we're really good at out-thinking ourselves and thinking we know the best thing for ourselves. So we design, you know, uh, desks so we don't have to move very much, and we can concentrate and get our work done, and we design escalators and elevators so we don't have to spend energy going upstairs. But the problem is we're killing ourselves from that. We're taking away our vitality. It's like the um, – the Kate Shanahan quote, where she said that um, man is the only animal smart enough to make its own food and dumb enough to actually eat it. <laughs> I, I think, right.
1: I, yeah. Well, and I love the concept though of starting to think about, like you said, with the elevator six floor below. It's like, yeah, oh yeah. It, even even you telling me that, I'm like, you know what? I I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because I'm just it's so ingrained and in accustomed to just just, it is right. Um, and granted, maybe with the suitcases first, if you got, you know, situation where that would be ridiculous, bring them up. But in general, like you said, after that, always up and down, um, in the stairs and just finding ways to, like you said, stop being cheated and just take every opportunity you can,
0: um, to do the alternative. And one of the big things with that is also you, you figure out that, the way even down to the way we dress affects our movement. So if you if you're able to dress in a leisurely way, it promotes more movement. If I have to wear a three-piece suit to work all day or high heels or this, I am naturally going to move less because I I put myself in a box where I can't move. So I even think back to movement is dress in a way that you can actually move in throughout your day instead of taking off your work clothes and then putting on your movement clothes. And then, so in that sense, you're segmenting your, your movement lifestyle. Instead, I, everyone always says it looks like you're going to the beach every day. And that's literally how I dress. I'm wearing
1: minimal. And I actually do. And I also do go to the beach. (laughs) No, but that is my favorite thing about Southern California is this level of casualness of where I live in Malibu, particularly versus elsewhere, but all over, it's pretty casual. And I even like Hawaii more so for this. A lot of bare feet, a lot of, not a lot of clothing, which I like. Um, I mean, I'm not a nudist, but I just, I like warm weather and, you no know, bikinis and sundresses and board shorts and all that kind of stuff. And it's so nice. And then when you have to go dress up to do something, it's such a weird contrast now because you're like, whoa, this feels so weird. It feels like I have scuba gear on.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why I love Austin, Texas, because it's so hot here that, that no one dresses with a lot of clothes on because it's just straight survival. So what I, I love Austin for that fact is there's always bare feet. There's always shorts. There's always um, tank tops and T-shirts, and it just promotes more of a movement culture.
1: I want to yeah, so if you so if you're living in Maine, you have to move. <laughs> yeah, literally, move states. Um I also wanna throw out that no one should underestimate the power of what a little private dance party can do for oneself. Two songs, ten minutes. Let me tell you something. You don't have to go to a yoga class. No one has to know what, you know, Double Tree is or what you know what I mean? You don't have to know these things to just have some time by yourself before the kids come home from school, whatever, and literally just dance around with some headphones on. Um, My life is always better when I do that. It's kind of my version of getting some alternative movement in for me because it's fun and I enjoy it. And it doesn't have to be a hip hop dance workout. You know, It doesn't have to be uh, insane, but just that you're moving, right? You're just, you're moving, you're fluid, you're, and you can just kind of stretch with it and stuff. No one's watching, right? You don't have to to, to do this in front of everyone. I do it by myself, close the blinds, you know, but two songs, 10 minutes, right? Three songs, 15 minutes. Oh man.
0: That, that that right there is, is exactly what I'm talking about because our environments affect how we move. So if I go into a gym, if I go into a CrossFit gym, I'm going to see a lot of sweaty guys throwing around barbells, uh, Doing pull-ups, climbing on ropes, and if I'm going to move in that environment, I'm going to do what they do, okay? I'm not going to have a hip-hop dance party in that environment. But if I'm at home, I can move in any way I want to. If I'm out in a park, I can move in any way I want to. So my – uh, one of the, the thoughts that going back to what you said, how are habits, how can we incorporate more movement into our life is put yourself in different environments. So go to a yoga class, you're going to move in a very yoga way, go to a dance class, you're going to move in a very dance way, go to your big box gym, you're going to move in a very big box gym way. If you go to CrossFit, you're going to move in a very CrossFit way. So exploring all of those environments, but also your idea of have your own own movement, practice, your own environment where nobody's watching. You can move like you move. You can move in an authentic way. There are no no rules. So a lot, a lot of people, they want to put parameters on that. Well, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you do 15 minutes in order for it to be a cardio workout and you gotta make sure to do some strength training. You need to do core work. It's like, no, all you need to do is move.
1: You know, I can movement sometimes to like the downward spiral of if you, Get somehow hooked back into a sugar situation, you know, that gets out of control. Um, and then you're like, uh oh, right? You know, going in that direction. Um, the same could go with movement. And it's funny because I know people out there who are sedentary. It's so tough because being sedentary begets being sedentary. And the, the crazy thing about this is that, uh, I hate to say it, but like exercise, even if it's light, actually then begets more energy. You actually will have more energy. And it just, it seems counterintuitive because you're like, I don't have the energy to do the thing that's going to give you more energy because it requires energy. And that's why even if you're sedentary, starting with just simple movements, a little private couple song dance party walk into the mailbox, whatever, maybe more walks with the dog, Um, you know, whatever you can do to begin standing during 10 minutes of a TV show even, right? Just anything that you can do to get up um, and get moving is is what you got to commit to.
0: And and you had it right on that that I like to differentiate exercise and movement is like I said, exercise is what I, I don't even call it exercise. I call it dedicated movement time. So when I'm when I'm dedicating time to moving, my goal is not getting all of my movement in in one hour, like 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 your standard Americans going to do. They're going to think, well, workout is I'm active. I work out an hour a day where there's you know, there's 20 there's 23 more hours in that day. What have you done? So when when you are dedicating time to exercise, I like to tell people you're focused on a goal. You're, you're, you're present, you're mindful of trying to get better at movement. You're just not, i got to get my cardio in, i got to get my strength training in. I'm trying to get better at my handstand push-up. I'm trying to get better at my pistol squat. I'm trying to get better at flowing on the ground. I'm trying to work on my hip-hop dance routine. I'm trying to work on my sun salutations. I'm actually dedicating time to getting better at movement, and that takes actually very little amount of time. And it takes a lot less energy than trying to pack all your movement into an hour. So now, the rest of your day, you have to set up your environment around you where it just promotes more and more movement routines that I do. Um, I, I, a great one I was just thinking about I have my water bottle. I don't have my water bottle on my stand up desk, I put it on the ground. So every single time I got a nice water bottle, I got to reach down. So it's out thinking it's outthinking your human nature. It's where if, if I can buy, like, if I could buy uh, something that's instant, like something that, that uh, saves me time, I'm all, always weighing, is that time worth the movement that I'm losing? And so it's always, I like
1: that reverse philosophy about this.
0: So it's like, we, we, you know, me and my wife are redoing our kitchen, and it's 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 going back to the old school. Where preparation of meals, spending time preparing meals, that's movement. When you start when you start the chopping and the cooking and the lifting and getting out all of this, you're actually promoting more and more movement in your day. But if I just have to drive somewhere and pick up my meal and come back, I've I've outsourced that movement. I've outsourced the preparation, the ingredients of my meal to someone else, and that's a, another. Um, example of society kind of taking your movement away from you.
1: Yeah. And usually one is standing in the kitchen while they're doing all these things. So you're taking away some valuable standing time as well. Exactly. I think it, I also just want to mention, because if we're going to be talking about movement, big, big, just declaration for everyone, which is don't have any shame in any of these classes. Let me tell you something. I still to this day will go hit a little interesting high intensity workout class and these crazy bees are asking me to move at a rate that is not right. It's not right. It's not right. So guess what? I don't do it. <laughs> and I don't care if the instructor comes up to me and goes, are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm just moving the way I feel like moving in here. I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Some of the knee, uh, you know, foot, knee up, like lifting knee lifts and stuff. We're just so incredibly fast and ridiculous asking for injuries and don't Look at someone else in yoga. Listen, I'm short. I'm 5'2". I can't get into certain positions in yoga and some are not correct for my body and will collapse and make me feel awkward. Don't do something that hurts. Don't have ego in these places. Don't be self-conscious. And if you are, do it at home until you feel comfortable, but you have to have no shame about this stuff. Don't care what people are doing. I have injuries. I have to make adjustments. I get questions all the time from instructors being like, are you okay? You know, yeah. Giving you advice, whatever.
0: Just do what you got to do. You know? you And that brings up a great point. Always, if your goal in life is to continually improve and go along this journey, don't be afraid to have the beginner's mindset. I live by this quote, is in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. And so what I try to be is the beginner in all of these classes, but also take ownership of my own movement. So if you're in a class and you're like, I feel a little iffy about this. You have the right to not do that, right? You have the right to protect yourself, but in, in one sense – protect yourself, but in one sense also push the envelope. Go into a class like I, – I, I, when I go to yoga, I go to yoga a lot, and I, I went through a teacher training and all of that just because I wanted to study yoga. I'm typically the only guy in yoga classes. And I'm seeing I see these 50-year-old women ripping up in the handstands and doing these crazy
1: Oh yeah they're killing it I've seen like 80-year-olds in there just unbelievable
0: unbelievable and so I don't try to compete with them I I take what I see them doing I take the aspects I watch the practice that they do and I try to apply that to my own practice so it's it's this idea of I'm on this movement journey I'm trying to get better at my movement I'm not trying to compete with anybody out there The thing that I really enjoy is I'm 38 years old now and I really enjoy going into any movement environment and being able to hold my own. Like I can go into a CrossFit class and I'm not going to be near the strongest person there, but I can hold my own. I could go into a yoga class and hold my own. I could go into gymnastics class and hold my own. The whole idea is once I start to be really, really good at that, That's when I think I become attached to it, and I try to remove myself from that environment and find something that's going to push my envelope again. It's going to be uncomfortable for me because I know that's where my movement growth can actually happen.
1: Yeah. And, you know, talking about, well, holding your own, I I, almost in every environment except for, I cannot, man, Marx isn't on the slack line. Damn it. He's like such a pro and it's an impossible slack line that he has. It's just so impossible. And yet he can just move across. Look, he's turning 65, you know, and I mean, unbelievable. And then he's out there playing ultimate Frisbee with 14 year olds. You know, there is no excuse, people. You can get there. And um, just because he was a fitness enthusiast most of his life, it's still the right idea of play, fun, switching it up and, and dedication to movement.
0: Exactly. in the, what I love about Mark is one of, the, one of the things that drew me to the Primal Blueprint is I you know I was in training and I went right to the fitness area. And he said, oh, the four essentials, you know uh, push-up, pull-up, plank, squat. I was like, that's brilliant. And he said, get out of the gym. Do them outside. Do them anywhere. You can do them on the road. There's no excuse. And so I'm like, that's a movement perspective right there. It's like I don't have to have all this fancy equipment. I have my body weight. And in fact, I think working with your body weight – that I, the, one of the best coaches that I ever knew said, if the, the sign of a really good trainer, really good coach is where they can train you in an empty room on an empty field with nothing but your body weight, gravity, and ground. And that's all you need. And so when you progress, like, let's say you're doing a dumbbell bench press or you're doing a bench press in the fitness realm. How do I, how do, once you can bench press, let's say a hundred pounds, how do I how do I escalate that? How do I progress that? Well, I just either load more weight or you do more reps. Well, once you can do a certain, like let's say you can do 10 push ups, how do you make that harder? You don't just do more. You're like, okay, can I do a, now can I do an incline push up? Can I do a decline push up? Can I do a Spider Man push up? Can I do a Superman push up? Can I do a handstand push up? So you have to now change your body relative to gravity, the position of your body relative, and you have to learn a new movement. So if you're just constantly, Doing the same movements in the gym, and all you're changing is how much weight you do and how many times you do it. You're you're basically just guzzling vitamin C or vitamin E or any of your antioxidants, and thinking that you have a healthy diet. When in fact, the more the different positions that you get into—that's what drew me to yoga is—all the different positions that you get into in a class: standing, inversions. On your hands, on your feet, on one leg, all of those different positions are stimulating your not only your body, but your brain. Your brain's having to configure where you are in space, where you are relative to gravity and ground, and you're opening up those avenues of learning. And that's really honestly, if you take like again, the ancestral approach, the only way we learned is through movement. The only way I knew what that fruit tasted like is I had to climb that tree. The only thing I, the only way I knew what was over that hill is I had to climb that hill. So we only learn through movement.
1: Speaking of gravity, (laughs) let's talk about physics. Now, um, I love moving in water. I'm a swimmer. The only thing that sucks about that is chlorine situation. But in general, I can say that it's one of the best things on planet Earth, especially for people with injuries like myself. And the way in which you can move, particularly if you swim with a snorkel and a mask like I do, where you're fully aligned. You don't have to worry about gasping for air. You can breathe as deeply as you want and have it be kind of meditative, you know? And one of the things about that is you can kind of explore movement in the water. You're not just doing this, you know, stagnant stroke and (gasps) turning your head and gasping for that air and also jacking your neck. You know, a lot of people are injuring themselves, not swimming correctly too, but When you have a snorkel and a mask, and everyone's, you know, if they've been on any kind of trip and ever gone snorkeling, it's really fun. And it's kind of a level of flotation. And it's one of the ways that when I couldn't even move my arms at all, back in the day when I first got injured, I mean, I could barely wipe myself, my friend suggested that I go get a snorkel and a mask, and that at the very least, I could just let my arms be dead weight in the water. And I could just at least swim around and move you know what I mean? And she suggested to me, she said, you know, all these old guys, she's been swimming forever. And she goes, you know, a lot of these old guys at the pool have these shoulder injuries and rotator cuff injuries, and they're all using the, the snorkeling mask. You should try it. And honestly, that changed my entire life. I've, I've, it's been my physical therapy for 20 years. And, um, I don't go crazy with it because I can't, handle too much of it, but it is literally one of those things that saves me and keeps me aligned and symmetrical. And is just part of a, and even if someone can only do 10 minutes of that a day, that's just, I just want to, I'm just really love swimming.
0: <laughs> I just love it. I, I love what you said is I love the way it made me feel. And that's if, if people would focus on how does the movement make you feel, because that that's how you make it sustainable. Because if, if you're just going through your your routine to get it done as another thing to check off your box, there's no buy-in there. You're just kind of going along. But you you swim because you love the way your body feels in the water, the weightlessness, the glide, the feeling of the water around your skin, the, uh, the lack of sound that you hear when you're underwater with your ears. So that, that feeling is what, what – keeps you coming back. So I, I say, yes.
1: And sometimes I have to force myself there, right? There's sometimes it's a commitment where all the way from the locker room to putting on the bikini, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> like I have those days and that's okay. But it's still a commitment that I make. And literally it's right after the very first
0: laugh, I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. That is your, that's your, <laughs> that's your, um, Reptilian brain saying, L, I don't want you to expend any more calories I, because cal- calories is survival." So you have to almost have to outthink that and say, <laughs> "For something else here, I'm going for a a more forebrain, human feeling gratitude for for being in the water, being in the sun, and what my body can do." It's the same thing when someone does a handstand for the first time. They do a handstand, and that position is very fearful for people because when we were falling out of a tree, that meant death when your head was below your heart, but When you take somebody from that fearful position and you teach them how to do a handstand through a very safe progression, they almost get this feeling of, oh, my God, I want to experience that over and over and over again because it's kind of this conquering of fear. And if we had – if our movement practice, if our exercise, quote-unquote, gave us that feeling on a day-to-day basis, on an empowering basis of I can't wait to do that again because I felt – I was amazed about what my body could do. Um, That, that's one of the things I, I, so I have friends that are my age and, you know, just like, just like all of us, we have friends that are in terrible shape, right? Physical shape. And they always are the ones that want to say, why do you do that? Why do you spend all the energy and time exercising? Like what, who cares what you look like and all they, they have this superficial understanding of our movement. Right. And then my, my rebuttal now is, you know what? I can do stuff now that you would think is physically impossible, and that's just Monday, Wednesday, Friday for me. And why wouldn't you do <laughs> Because like you – movement is – I'm trying to attain things that like uh, – when I'm 40, I want to be able to do stuff that most 40-year-olds can. When I'm 64, I want to do what Mark can do, right? So – it's why wouldn't you want to experience that? Why would you not want to get everything out of this body? Because this is how you experience life. I mean, we can, you have a spirit and you have a mind, but how you move that thing around is via this body and this vehicle. And so the better you move, the better you live. And and that's hard to argue. The more you, the better you can move. You can't argue that. That's not even. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, and I don't understand now why I understand why people don't get that because the, the the fitness industry has basically disempowered you from your movement. They basically say, okay, you don't know how to move. You got to come to this gym where there's a special equipment and I got to teach you everything. I got to make sure you know all these coaching cues before you squat or you might get hurt. You might get diabetes. I don't know. You might, it's, 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 I, I want you to, to only move when you're under my guidance, when in actuality. You knew how to to do 90% of all your motor tasks by age three. You you knew how to run, jump, squat, skip, reach, climb. You knew all of that. And the rest of your life has just been developing them more and more and more or losing them. So movement is not something that you attain. It's something that you lose throughout life.
1: I've even heard this sad statement from lots of people who are sedentary. And then they are projecting their future of continuing to be sedentary by this statement. I've heard people talking about like, you know, like, where would you, where would you want to end up in retire? What would you want to do? What kind of house? You know, those kind of questions. And I've heard the answer of like, well, you know, probably want to get a one level because then, you know, don't have to like walk up and down stairs you know, get harder as you get older. And, and I was like, whoa, 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 stop there. Damn, what? You just, you're 45. You're re- regulating, relegating yourself to a life of immobility already in the future house of which you don't have that you're going to choose one level because you can't. Let me tell you something, people, my grandmother who lived till she was 98, stairs, stairs, stairs and standing. She actually never sat at a party. She threw at her house. She stood she refused to sit down. <laughs> like, and it wasn't because she was a host. It was because she knew even back then, she was like, uh-uh, all the movement you can get. My grandma was like the original Katie <laughs> like She really was. And she also danced at the clubs until she was like 85 with 30-year-olds. And we would run into her at the clubs when we were teenagers and be like, oh shit, grandma's here. But um, she's legendary <laughs> for that. And it really was to her all about Movement, or even if it was wintertime in Chicago, she'd put the ankle weights on and dance to MTV. Like what? Like just anything that she could do. But it was a conscious thing for her, and she was only at like ninety eight at the end. Where really they're like, "All right, no more stairs for you." But I mean, it, up until ninety eight, so people relegating themselves to one level homes twenty years before they're even. I mean, you know, have you heard that? Those kind. I mean, those are oh, just crazy.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. Um, and it, it, this is a fascinating story. I have this whole park next to my house and it's a, it's a, uh, has seven soccer fields on it. So I go, I, I can walk to it. So I go over there all the time. I'm barefoot, I'm running sprints, I'm doing whatever on this field. No one's ever out there. So one time I saw this, uh, a man drive up in his car and he got on this soccer field a long time, uh, you know, a while away from me. He did a couple of Rocky stretches. I call them like the quad stretches. He did like a couple of them, deep knee bends. And then he started sprinting Full tilt boogie across this uh soccer field. And he's sprinting like somebody's chasing him. And he walks back and then he does it again. And then he walks back and he does it again. And he's moving at a pretty good clip. And so I'm kind of fascinated all the time. I never see anybody out there. So I walked over to him and I was like, Man, how many of those did you get? You know, how many sprints did you get? And he's like, uh, you know, I got seven. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm kind of making a wise comment. I'm like, you know, maybe next time try to get eight. And he's like, Nope, next decade. And I go, What do you mean? And he goes, well, I'm 75. And so I do seven sprints in my 70s. And then when I turn 80, I'll do eight sprints in my 80s. And when I turn 90, I'll do nine sprints. He goes, I've been doing it my whole life. And he looked at me dead in the eye because I'm, and then now he's got me because I'm, again, I told you I'm fascinated by men that have aged in this way. And and that's who I want to be. I look up to them really as a man. And I, he, he looks at me and he goes, son, he goes, The world is going to tell you you're getting old and you can't do this. You can't jump. You're getting old and decrepit. Your body's gone. He goes, son, your value as a man is what you can do. You're given a gift physically and you got to use that your entire life. He goes, everybody's going to tell you that you're getting old. You should stop doing that. He goes, it's all bullshit. He goes, look at me. And he just walked off. And I said, I I, I was like, who is this guy's my hero. This is John Wayne to me. Right. And it was such a. A, a contrast where he basically said, the world is going to tell you that as you get old, you lose your ability to move. And if you buy into that, you stop moving. But if you don't buy into that, guess what? You're I want to be that guy at age seventy running sprints across the across the park.
1: Yeah. And I mean even yeah, it's I just tell this hilarious story. I have a f- friend who calls me who lives you know, in the same area as Mark and all of us do Malibu. And, uh, she's 40 and she's like, oh God, uh, I was on the beach and I see this guy. Uh, she, she only saw him from the back. Um, she's like, I saw him running. And then he stopped and chilled out and then he ran again. And she's like, oh, he's doing sprints. And then she goes, wait, is that Elle's But And she's like, does Mark wear a white headband? And I was like, Oh, she's like, Oh my god, I scoped out a 60-something year old. Like, she was like, Oh my god, like that's awful. Because she couldn't tell at first when how old he was from when he, she was just seeing him from the back. And then it wasn't until she turned around, he was like, Oh, this gray-haired guy who's clearly older. And she was like, Oh my god, I think that I just scoped out your boss on the beach. And I was like, That's hysterical, and I told him that. Um, but I just think that is so funny that I got that phone call because, you know, she just had no idea that he wasn't like her age, <laughs>
0: you know. And that, and that that is what really interests me is the movement perspective and not taking away from like the aesthetics and what you look like and what you're putting on Instagram and what you're putting on your Facebook is I want to see – What you can do when you're Mark's age. I want to see what you can do when you're Brad's age. I want to see what you can do when you're 70, 80, 90, because I, I, I view now, I remember growing up and as a kid, my dad, uh, we played catch together. We wrestled, we climbed. I mean, he was, he could move really, really well late into his life. And I remember being like, man, I, 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 in my mind as a young man, I thought, okay, that's what men are able to do. And nowadays you don't see that. And, and I think that's what we've lost that physical culture in our environment, the ability to move for a lifetime, not just what I'm going to look like in 90 days or 60 days or 30 days, having this long-term view is what I'm going what am I going to be able to do when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old?
1: Yeah. And don't throw out your back because you're emptying the dishwasher because you're just spent a lifetime of doing nothing. And speaking of Brad Kearns, these guys are killing me. Brad and Mark, right? Older than me, killing me like way better, like just doing more. I'm like, oh my God, these guys, are just too much to keep up with. Brad comes over the other day to shoot something at my place and he comes over like 9am. He had already done seven miles that morning. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh yeah, you know, I still keep up like once a week, hit it, you know, but he still jogged at the Maffetone pace. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, it's all leisurely, it's chill. But he's still like, their dedication is unbelievable. And Brad's 53 and he he looks incredible. And, you know, he walks in my place at 9 a.m., full energy, lit up brain, you know, full on Brad, and glowing, just like, I can't believe this guy is sitting next to me, he's 53. And, you know, even when I'm around Mark, I'm like, I can't even believe it. And it's so inspiring. And, uh, you know, everyone can do it. Let's, uh, in wrapping this up, I know you were mentioning to a friend that you were coming on the podcast and he has a whole movement. Uh, his, his website is bodyweightathlete.com and he's offering a $20 off. Why don't you tell us what this code is about for our listeners?
0: Yes. So in, in, I'm going to, Lay it out there. I, I received no money from this. Um, what, what I enjoy doing is searching out people that have this kind of movement perspective. And um, a guy by the name of Mike Fitch has a, has a company called Glo- Global Bodyweight Training. Um, he developed the uh, animal flow, which you'll see sometimes – um, in Equinox, and he developed a body weight training program because I get these questions like, where do I start? What is movement? What is this? And he developed a program called the Bodyweight Athlete Program that is, it, I think it's like $150. And I think with that, uh, I have a discount code for you that'll get you $20 off. But it's a, it's a very systemized way to try to attain movement. It's kind of one of those where you can learn, you can assess yourself kind of where you are. This is how many push ups or whatever you can do. And then, How do I progress where he has these tiered systems where I'm trying instead of just doing more and more and more, I'm actually trying to gain new skills. So it's less of this fitness approach of I'm trying to get strong and jacked and swole and be able to run on the treadmill longer. And this fact of how what can I do now and what am I working towards? And so I just I was just I I, I bought the program. i had done it myself. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so I just wanted to put it out there. I kind of mentioned to him that I was coming on the podcast and he was like, all right, we'll shoot a, um, a discount code over if people want to try it.
1: Yeah. And let me just, I, we will put the discount code and the website in the show notes, but the website is bodyweightathlete.com. The $20 off coupon code is all caps and it is B W a primal 2018. That's B as in boy W a primal 2018, all caps for $20 off the program. And, let us know how we can find you. I know we can go to austinvitalitycoach.com. How do you work with people? I
0: work with people one-on-one. Um, I'm, I'm very old school. And the fact that, that you won't find me on social media, um, I barely answer my cell phone. Um, all, all of my clients, I get through word of mouth. Um, I do answer email. Um, my goal, I mentor a lot of trainers and coaches around. I've been around for a little bit in the performance sector where I, I get to... I, I like to mentor coaches and trainers and let them work in the day to day. I'm kind of done with the, you know, the training 10, 12 hours a day. I have a family now. And so I work with a few amount of clients, um, still some ex-athletes. But I love questions. I I love people that are inquisitive about this stuff. And I try to answer every single email I get. Um, And so that's basically where you can find me is my email.
1: Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will put all of the ways to contact you in the show notes, and I really appreciate you coming on and having this discussion.
0: Oh, it was a blast, Dale! Thank you so much.
1: Hey everyone, to all of our Whole30 friends out there, visit primalkitchen.com forward slash Whole30 for a special gift with purchase on our latest and greatest Whole30 approved items. Remember sauces, dressings, toppings that makes healthy eating exciting. We have a whole collection of Whole30 items that are super delicious, making an elimination diet like Whole30 easy and flavorful. So this is exclusive to special Whole30 friends. Don't miss out on a chance to collect on this awesome Whole30 deal.